Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hey there, Bengals fans. It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. We have a very special episode because we have a very special guest to help us preview Week 10 Bengals at Steelers. None other than Ike Taylor, former Pittsburgh defensive back and current host of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Mr. Taylor, how you doing, sir? Good. How you doing? Good, good. Hopefully you can hear us okay. Uh, yes, happy to Okay, awesome. Happy to have you with us and uh, joining us. Ike Taylor's joining us part of as part of the Believe in, in Steelers network as well as from EAG Sports Management. We are happy to have his time. Uh, look, you know, we around the Bengals nation here, we call it Steelers Week, right? We, we, it's this big thing. It's big rivalry on our end. I guess you being a player for the, for the Steelers, you had a great career, by the way. We're going to talk about that, but... Being a player for the Steelers and now covering it on the media side of things is—is is that a similar sentiment from the Pittsburgh side of the fence? Do they look at this at this game as a big deal like Bengals fans do, or is it is it kind of like ah, it's the Bengals? It's and you can be division. honest, <laughs> it's it's in the division, so you got to look at it as a big game. Just being around the Kevin Colberts and the Mike Tomlins, um you draft to beat who you're going to play twice in your division. If you're able to go, you know, we got Cincinnati twice, got Baltimore twice, got Cleveland twice. If you're able to go 5-1 in the division, you're giving yourself a shot and a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. So you always look at divisional games and you always draft um, from, from how I was taught from the Pittsburgh Steelers to win your division. You know, and and that's and that's the good thing about it. Everything else take care of itself. So, but to look at Cincinnati as like a rivalry, I don't think it really is a rivalry. I think for the most part, and this is just my personal opinion, Baltimore of some sort has been the rivalry. You know, we've been at the top of the AFC North between Pittsburgh and Baltimore as far as like sharing Super Bowls or switching Super Bowls. It's been Baltimore or Pittsburgh. So, a rivalry part, no. Um, handling your bit, handling your business in a division, which is the AFC North. That's what you always want to do. So, um, just a little advice to anybody who's drafting whatever. When you draft, you drafting guys to win your division. Yep. And look, a lot of Bengals fans may take that as a slight, but the record speaks for itself. I looked at it the other night. The Steelers are winning 65% of this uh, of the games in this series. So, I mean, if it was 50-50, you know, I, I, I'd see the argument there, but I understand that. You provide a nice segue to my next question because you mentioned a lot of the figureheads of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're an organization that we 
on the Bengals side of things marvel at in terms of how they build their team. You yourself embody a, a Pittsburgh Steeler with your great career, solid player, 12 year, 12 year career, just a really good, really good player for this team for a long time. What is it about this culture that Pittsburgh breeds within its players, within its system? I mean, they've, they've got that quote unquote special sauce, right? Uh, what, what is it in terms of their tough play? I mean, is that, is that just kind of, ingrained in you from day one when you get there or is it a special breed of players that they look for is it a little bit of both um what, what's your take on that it's a little bit of both so you have um a tradition where in the 70s they won you know four super bowls and the reason and how they won super bowls was their physicality so when you got guys like the Mean Joe Greens and Mean Joe Green, regardless of you want to talk about the Les Swans or the Terry Bradshaws or the Mel Blunts, all four of them guys, three of them guys I just named said it started with Mean Joe Green. And Mean Joe Green kind of set the standard on what it was to be a Pittsburgh Steeler and to play the game with some sort of physicality because that's just football. Um, I look at football as organized violence, regardless on how you want to look at it. So, when you have that and those guys come around, the Rocky Blys come around, you know, and, and you just see them day in and day out, you understand and you see like, man, this started with these guys, which are called the pioneers, if you got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, let alone being a free agent. So th that's what embodies us. Then you get down to the Coach Cowher, who I've won a Super Bowl with. Then you get down to the Coach Tomlin. So Coach Tomlin, he's more of a hybrid coach. And what I want to mean by hybrid coach is – he wants guys, he'll draft guys with some kind of physicality to embody the physical part of being a Pittsburgh Steelers because I'm is a high IQ guy. He wants guys who's smart and who just know the game of football. So he's going to do a little bit of both. So that's what you're seeing from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it's been a foundation. Um, it's been a legacy. It's been a tradition. And now you have a coach who wants and draft both. He wants a guy who can be physical, um, but he knows he can't draft all guys who are just straight physical. He need guys who physical, who, who need guys who with straight good IQ. So that's the good part. That's the best of both worlds with the Pittsburgh Steelers is getting with Coach Townsend because of the rule change. And Coach T always embraced, you know, adversity and adjusting. You know, a lot of coaches, I don't think that they can adjust, but Coach Townsend is one of them. You know, when you got a coach, who gets down to his fourth string receiver and, and, and duck Hodges and still go eight and eight. That says a lot. Cause you got a, a lot of franchises who have, they starting quarterback and still, it still couldn't go eight and eight. So coach T is the right guy for this time, for this time frame. You know, he, he's the right guy to be a Pittsburgh, still a head coach. He's the right guy with all the rule changes changing. He's the right guy who can adjust and understands. And, and, and it starts with him, let alone the Rooney family. So you've played, speaking with Ike Taylor, by the way, folks, 12-year veteran, defensive back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, now host of the Believe in Steelers on the Believe Podcast Network. Happy to have him joining us on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You mentioned Coach Tomlin with the eighth win this, this last weekend against the Cowboys. He ensured that he will have his... He will not have a losing season for the first time in his career. He's he's never had a losing season. He's gone eight and eight, which is something to marvel at. He's a great coach. You also played for Bill Cower, another great coach. 
What's what's the biggest difference between those guys, whether it's positive or negative, playing for both of those guys? So both of the coaches between Coach Kyle and Coach Tomlin was players' coaches. Um, Coach Kyle came up in the era where it was all physicality. Like he 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 <laughs> loved that training camp, that two a days goal line twenty four seven, because mm-hmm. the rules wasn't changed at the time. Um, Coach T. You know, he was at that point in his career. Then when the rules have, have slowly started to change, he had to change as a coach. So um, that's what you got to like about the coaching standpoint of him. And it's the adjustment. You know, Coach T, um, it's a lot of good It's a lot of good coaches. I don't think there's a lot of good coaches that can adjust. You know, and I think Coach T is one of them coaches who is a good coach, one, Two can adjust to certain situations, rule changes, and in the moment of the game, you know. So that's what I think what makes good coaches great. Your your great coaches, they wind up adjusting. Your good coaches, they wind up saying, "This is this is what we do." Um, Coach Tomlin can be like, "This is what we do," but at the same time, he's able to adjust during the game. So. Um, I play with a lot of Hall of Fame coaches. I think Coach T will make it to the Hall of Fame. I'm lying. I know Coach Tomlin will make it to the Hall of Fame. Um, Coach Kyle was in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Dick LeBeau is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Mike Malarkey is in the Hall of Fame. Russ Grimm is in the Hall of Fame. And I've played for a Hall of Fame owner in Papa Dan Rooney, as I would say. So I've just I've just been surrounded by greatness when you want to talk about you know, coaches who know how to coach and adjust in the NFL. Like I said at the at the onset, man, uh, that what the Steelers do and how they build their teams. I know Bengals fans are not are not fond of the Steelers, but they definitely are envious of them and the way they build their teams and uh, their rosters and and all of the, all of that. Their approach to to football. You you, uh, you played for those two coaches, but you also, when you face the Bengals, face two excellent receivers. You faced Chad Johnson slash Ocho Cinco, and you also faced A.J. Green. Who was the tougher matchup there? Because I think if you look at Ocho, if I'm not mistaken, the footwork was was insane. And if you look at A.J., the length and the height, that provides a matchup problem. You're a bigger corner yourself, too. But what what uh, what do you see there? Well, who was the tougher matchup? And by the way, for folks who are too young to remember – Ike used to shut down Ocho pretty well. I remember it vividly. So uh, you had some great games against Ocho. But that being said, who was the tougher matchup there between between those two receivers on the Bengals' end? As far as, like, footwork, Ocho had the best footwork. Ocho made playing in the NFL like park ball. Um, Ocho could have – Ocho did make running routes, stopping on a dive, Easy. You know, Ocho and Ocho was tall. Ocho my height. Ocho is six two. So usually yeah. six two guys, they're not really um able to stop on a dime. You know, usually bigger receivers, um, they don't have what we call good Midas breaks. So if you know <laughs> anything about cars and you go to Midas, you try to get the best breaks. Um, Ocho had the best breaks as far as like stopping on a dime, getting in and out of his cuts. AJ Green was super athletic and stronger than what you thought he was. A.J. Green was more of a basketball player or is a basketball player playing football. Mm. High point of the ball. 
He can get behind you any time of the day with his sneaky speed, and he was stronger than what you thought. So them two brought something different in my mind to the table. But as far as, like, uh, excellence, Ocho, for the most part, I would give the edge because he was more healthier right now than than AJ. Um, if you catch a healthy AJ, you're catching hell. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what you're catching. Um, but th- that's how I look at them, too. Two, two quality receivers. Um, Ocho at the time, you know, he used to send Pepto Bismo to the facility because he felt like <laughs> you know what he was gonna do on you. So yeah. Ocho made it Ocho made it fun. Ocho made it fun. Nowadays you can't do that, guys take it too too seriously. But at the time, man, um I respect and I'm cool with Ocho, I respect the hell out of him. Uh AJ Green respect the hell out of him, even though he's a young buck, because man, I saw what he brought to the table. AJ Green made me step my game up at the time Ocho was a year or two in front of me so I had to get my clout and my recognition off of Ocho AJ Green coming in as a young stud I had to maintain that and every time I played AJ he made me step my game up so you know of course I I, I think Cincinnati always to some degree drafts some good wide receivers I'm looking at T Higgins from Clemson he's a damn stud Tyler Boyd, of course, you know, he's he went to Pittsburgh. He's the damn yeah. from the slot. So, um, looking at Cincinnati and when it comes down to drafting receivers, I mean, they had T.J. Hoosmanzada. Um, who else they had? Chad Ocho at the time, R.I.P. Chris Henry. So, yeah. um, before, the, before we was looking at big threes uh, between Plexico, Hines, and Antoine Randall-L that I got a chance to play with, in practice against for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I was looking at Chris Henry, Ocho, and TJ Hoosmanzada. So uh, them boys always had a squad when it came down to the receiving point, let alone, you know, uh, a Carson Palmer at the time. So uh, they, they drafted well. And, and to get off your to get off your question, uh, what they got in Joe Burrow right now, I think Joe Burrow is a, a franchise quarterback. You know well, yeah, go ahead. One hundred percent. I think Joe Cool. I call him Joe Cool. Y'all call him Joe Burrow. I think Joe Cool um, has everything it takes. One seven and seven meaning Big Ben. Once Big Ben leaves, I think Joe Cool can take over the division if the coaching and the drafting part comes uh, to par. And, and seeing the kind of talent this guy have, um, this guy, he's a professional, professional. And what I mean by that. He, he doesn't waver. He's been getting hit more than any other quarterback in the league. Um, he doesn't throw anybody under the bus. He understands what he needs to do. And you can just see the growth and development in Joe Burrow of being a franchise quarterback. So I think in, in, in three to five years, we're going to be talking about Cincinnati. Um, and, and the ties may change, you know, and that's all because of the development of Joe Burrow. And I like what y'all got going on in Cincinnati. So let's let's kind of continue on that. That was a nice segue talking with Ike Taylor, 12-year defensive back with the Pittsburgh Steelers, now host of the Believe in Steelers on the Believe Podcast Network. Happy to have him joining us. And uh, hopefully we can hang on to you for a few more minutes. We appreciate the time, man. Um, you know, look, you went up, you mentioned Carson Palmer. Uh, you, you faced Andy Dalton and a lot of different weapons there. And then and you've seen Joe Burrow now. Do you think that the ceiling is the highest? Of those three, with the weapons that surrounded each guy, do you think the the ceiling for the Bengals is the highest currently right now? Because with Joe Burrow under center, or do you think 
they capped out with maybe Carson Palmer in 05. I mean, what, what's just kind of your gut feeling on that? You give Joe Burrow, there is no ceiling with Joe Burrow. I, mm. call, I call that space. So <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to get up in space with a quarterback. And I think Joe Burrow can get up in space, all because his personality, all because his unselfishness, all because he's he's been going against the grain the last three years. You know, he was he was up in at Ohio State. He was up at Ohio State, and he he wasn't a starter. So he had to work his way through. He wound up switching and changing schools. He wound up going to LSU. Wound up winning a starting job. And one thing about LSU, we do know they push out receivers. So it's like, dang, how all these first and second round receivers getting drafted, but they have no quarterback. You wind up putting Joe Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, with some good talented receivers at LSU, you wind up winning a national championship. And what I like about Joe Burrow is just his knowledge and his placement of of throwing the football, whether it's the whether it's the fade, whether it's the back shoulder fade whether it's getting his receivers down on the end cut to make sure his receivers don't get hit by a linebacker or safety. That's 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 all placement. A lot of quarterbacks don't have placement. You know, either they throw the ball too soft or they throw the ball too hard or, or they have no touch. Joe Burrow can pretty much do it all. You know, so that's that's what I do like about Joe Cool. So if from being a def- former defensive back like yourself and you've got some high praise for Joe Burrow, Looking at this week, week 10, what is the Steelers' best bet uh, in terms of, you know, maybe limiting the damage from Joe Burrow? I mean, you know, he takes the hit, but he kind of keeps on coming later in the game. He's never really out of the game, so to speak. I mean, what? how would you attack a Joe Burrow this week, knowing the Steelers' defense intimately and you being a, d- a former defensive back? Pressure. You apply pressure to any quarterback. You know, this, this, ain't, this, this isn't Joe Burrow's first time under center. You know, we damn to halfway during the season. So, um, regardless on whether you're a GOAT quarterback or whether you're a, a rookie quarterback, you apply pressure, man, and you put your guys a man coverage. And that's what Pittsburgh does well. Pittsburgh put pressure, they hit the quarterback, and they get sacks. You know, between TJ, between Cam, between Stephon Tua, between, you know, Bud Dupree, them boys know how to get to quarterbacks. Vince Williams, them boys know how to get to quarterbacks. So, Right now, I'm just making that statement. I'm going to try to hit Joe Burrow early and often. I'm going to let him know we coming. You're not going to sit back and try to pick us apart. Talking with Ike Taylor, host of the Believe in Steelers podcast, part of the Believe in uh, the Believe podcast network. Going to be spending a couple more minutes with him uh, talking about Week 10 Bengals at Steelers. Look, the, the Steelers are 8-0. And they're they're very good. They've got a lot of talent in a lot of different places. Ben's back playing pretty well, um, but they've had some close calls. Uh, I would say it's it's an imperfect team with a perfect record at this point in time. What what do you think if if the Bengals are to have a chance? It might be a snowball's chance in hell at this point. But if they were to have a chance at, at, to win this game, what would you say that the Bengals need to exploit in terms of potential weaknesses for the for the Steelers? There's really no weakness for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the only slight edge you might say is the running game. I think the running game for the Pittsburgh Steelers has to be more consistent. Um, and they know going into the playoffs, that's what you're going to have to have is a nice little running game to to balance out defense on stand on the sideline, let alone with a passing game and play action. So that's what they have to do. 
Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I like, I like their momentum, and it's crazy. They're eight no, and they haven't played their best ball. So Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers getting to the latter part of the season, going into the playoffs, playing their best ball. I think they're the most complete team. I don't think, I don't think whether you're a fantasy guy like I am, they're not going to gain all the points you want unless you have the Pittsburgh Steelers defense like I do. But at the same time, if you're just looking at it from a coach's standpoint, it's like, damn, we ain't no, and we still haven't played our best ball. You know, the only really blog game you had was against Cleveland. I think that was 38-38 to 7. Other than that, man, we're not looking for blowouts because once we get to the get to the playoffs, there is no such thing as blowouts. You're going to be behind 8 to 10. Pittsburgh has been behind 8 to 10. I think the last week was 14 for them. So it's been a tough sled. But when you got guys who understand and rally and they don't panic, now we're talking about playoff football. So just imagine we haven't played, we as in the Pittsburgh Steelers, haven't played our best ball yet in in the latter times of the season. When we do, it's going to be hell for the NFL. It's interesting. I said it's an imperfect team with a perfect record, and you said they haven't played their best ball yet. I'm, I'm more inclined, maybe, to agree with you. You know, you know football a lot better than I do, my friend. So uh, I, I am more inclined to to agree with you. And I never count the Steelers out, ever, 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 ever. So, how do you see this one playing out this week? What are some of the keys to the game uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers side of the, of the football to get out and become nine and zero this week? Pittsburgh got to run the ball. If, if if Pittsburgh have the same game plan they had against the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to lose. You know, they ran the ball, but they didn't run the ball efficiently. Pittsburgh also has to stop the run because the Dallas Cowboys ran the ball pretty well on the Pittsburgh Steelers. If, if the Cincinnati Bengals establish a running game, they will come out with a W, guarantee. Talking with Ike Taylor, 12-year defensive back with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Part of the Believe Podcast Network, host of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Where can people find that podcast? Uh, where is it on, on audio platforms, video platforms? How can people listen to get some Steelers news, get a little bit of info from the other side of the fence? You can catch me on Ike underscore swagging you on Twitter. You can catch me on Ike Taylor, a.k.a. one of a kind on Instagram. Um, Believe in Steelers podcast. I got my guy Mark Bergen. He's my co-host, so we always try to rock and roll with that. Awesome. It's been a pleasure having you on, man. I appreciate you giving us some insight. We'll definitely be checking out your podcast. If you want to, we'd love to have you back on for the rematch later in the air if you want to. Um, we'd love to have you back on if, you, if, you, if you'd like to. But uh, appreciate it. This has been awesome, man. Immense pleasure on our part. Appreciate it. Holla at me. I'm always here for you. All right. Take it easy. That's Thank Ike you. Taylor, 12-year defensive back, Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, he knows a thing or two about football, folks. Knows a thing or two about football. And uh, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing some comments. Some some think that was cool that we had him on. Some, uh, because of their anti-Steeler bias, they're a little upset about that. But, hey, I thought he was awesome. Really nice guy. And uh, really, really cool to have. Look, Believe I, – I don't know if you guys know this, but the Believe Podcast Network – they're, a lot of their deal. By the way, our friends, uh, Daddio and Hoji, who were once part of our network, have moved over to Believe. Um, they were part of the SB Nation network, and they moved over to the Believe Podcast Network. Believe uh, hires a lot of former players to host their podcasts. So they bring a really unique 
perspective. We've been fortunate enough. We had just now Ike Taylor for the Steelers. We had Eric Davis, defensive back for the for the San Francisco 49ers and the Believe in 49ers podcast. We had uh, – they got us Takeo Spikes, former Bengals linebacker, played a long time in the NFL. They have been great to us. So uh, we appreciate um, – you know, we appreciate them being so kind to us uh, and, and getting us a lot of different guests so far. Some of you may have been or are simultaneously tuning into a super show that's part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Ace, Zim, Matt Minnick, John Sheeran. I was on the first part of that show, but I came back here to interview Ike Taylor, which was awesome. So we're bringing you all kinds of different color coverage for the Bengals and Steelers. I'm going to be with you a couple more minutes here because there has been some news along the Bengals uh, front as of Wednesday. There's been a, a little bit of news here. So we want to cover that. We want to talk about that. Our thanks again to Ike Taylor to the Believe Podcast Network and to EAG Sports Management for having Ike Taylor on. That was that was fun, man. That was fun. I I wanted to throw a little bit more. I don't know. I was going to maybe talk about the Hushman's out of towel thing, but I feel like that's I don't know. Maybe that was a little over. <laughs> maybe that's been talked about a lot. But uh, anyway, support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Let's talk about an addition the Bengals made today on Wednesday. That was defensive end Takarist McKinley, former Atlanta Falcon. They tried to trade him before the deadline. Didn't really get, didn't really get, much uh, any really uh, any good offers for him so they decided to put uh get rid of him he was on waivers and the Bengals ended up picking him up off of waivers so real quickly this is the article on cincyjungle.com in case you were wondering uh he is a former first round pick out of UCLA Look, this was a guy that was a, a fast riser that that draft. He was kind of a, you know, maybe second round guy getting some late buzz. And then he ended up kind of in the middle of that first round. And uh, he has, he's had a couple of rough seasons of late, but he started off pretty well. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, was doing some things early in his career. Uh, he's got 17 and a half career sacks, had 
13 of those his first two seasons and only four and a half the past two. So, you know, I mean, hasn't been lighting the world on fire. I think he only played in four games. I'll, I'll show you something in just a second here. Only played in four games so far this year. Um, here's here's some stats. I mean, here's the four games so far this year. Has the one sack. He had the one sack in week one. Atlanta's been terrible this year, by the way. So that's not helping matters. Um, but you see here, six sacks as a rookie, seven sacks his second year. And then all of a sudden you got the three and a half and three and a half in, in 14 games last year and then one sack. So, um, you know, obviously production dipped quite a bit, but a guy, look, this is, this screams, screams Bengals type of signing, free agency signing. This is a guy, a former first round pick has tapered off in terms of production. He's got a lot to prove. The Bengals can get him on the cheap. They've got him for half a year. They don't have the fifth year option pick that that's, that's tagged to this. So they can, Make they can see what he's got for seven games and then you know eight games and then see if the, if he's someone they want to hang on to as the year progresses. Um, we'll see, but a guy that will definitely boost, even if it's as a rotational guy, will definitely boost the pass rush. Sam Hubbard is coming back. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Sam Hubbard is coming back. Carl Lawson's been playing pretty well, but he needs some help. He needs some help, and uh, that was that was you know. A guy that uh, he, Carl Lawson's a guy that needs some help in terms of ancillary players around him. Geno Atkins has not been able to be the old Geno because of injuries and being out of the lineup, et cetera. DJ Reader is now gone uh, on IR, and the Bengals need to generate pressure. This was a good move by them, even if it's a rental deal for the rest of the year. It was a good move by them. So, look. You know, I see I see some people mentioning Dunlap. Look, the Bengals didn't do much on the trade deadline, either dealing guys or or getting another player or what have you. They did deal Carlos Dunlap. But in the last two weeks, they grabbed B.J. Finney, they grabbed Quentin Spain, and they grabbed Takaris McKinley in the last two weeks. Uh, so their two biggest areas of need, their offensive and defensive line, they've tried to address it with some of the be- biggest and best names that are available out there. Finney, you can argue about that, but – it's kind of get what you can at that point for Dunlap, but Spain was basically the best interior lineman that was available at that point. And of course, McKinley edge rushers come at a premium, even if it's a guy who's been dipping in production uh, edge, edge rushers come at a premium premium. So you gotta, you gotta tip your cap, I guess a little bit to the Bengals saying, you know, we're not going to just sit around and continue on our two, five and one path. We're going to, we're going to do some different things. So here's, some more news here. By the way, we didn't really get to our Monday news jump this week as we usually do. So I'm kind of getting to a little bit more news. This is going to be interesting to see how the team plays this one out. But the uh, Bengals activated Xavier Suafilo. So he, I think, only played one game, two games. And yeah, left week one against the Chargers. That's right. So he has been out with an ankle injury since. And he is now cleared to play. Um, so I don't know what the Bengals are going to be doing on the offensive line. Suofilo has been a career left guard. They tried, they signed him in all likelihood to place him at right guard, which he has barely played any snaps at all. He's been a average-ish, at least by pro football focus metrics. He's been an average-ish offensive lineman his career. But there was kind of a flash in the pan handful of games for the Cowboys when he came in and spot started for them. And he, he really boosted uh, 
boosted up his scores and boosted what the Cowboys were trying to do. And, and the question is, can he bring that over to the Bengals and fit in well to, to their system on the offensive line? Or was, was Suofilo kind of surrounded with some talent on the offensive line and a lot of different weapons on offense to kind of mask some deficiencies? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Obviously, the Bengals like what he was going to be bringing, and he started. He was starting right guard this year. And since, the Bengals have cycled through a lot of different guys. Fred Johnson got a start. Alex Redmond's been starting. He's provided a little bit of steadiness. I mean, there's been a, there's been a revolving door on the offensive line. So Xavier Suofilo is back. The Bengals did place Winston Rose on the COVID-19 list. So as the season's going on, unfortunately, some more names are landing on that. Uh, right now, I'm seeing here Brandon Benatti Holiday um, asking about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon um, is in that lovely category of being day to day. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a wait and see thing there. Going back to McKinley real quick. McKinley, I, I don't know that he will play this week because, which is unfortunate because you want to have all hands on deck with uh, the pass rush against Big Ben. But and who knows if he's even playing. He's got the knee problem from last week. He was put on the COVID list, so it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but you want all the able pass rushers that you that you can get. Unfortunately, I think because of the COVID protocol, uh, you've got to wait as someone comes in and is signed as a free agent. you got to wait, I think, a week. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's kind of been a fluid situation. I mean, we, we thought that may have been the case with Quentin Spain, but – he came in and played a couple days later. So, um, you know, I, who, who knows? But I, I wouldn't – I'm not really expecting to see Tack McKinley um, this week. I think it may be next week, but we'll see. We'll see. By the way, for those wondering about the McKinley, going back to him, wondering about the waiver, waiver situation and how that works, you know, a lot of people think that, A, just because the Bengals had priority waiver status throughout – the off season and right after final cuts, et cetera, that that carries through the season. That's not necessarily the case as I understand it. Basically what happens is it, it's a fluid thing that changes as records change throughout the year. So as, <clears throat> as you know, the Bengals win or lose games, they kind of, and other teams win or lose games, the, the waiver wire order shifts and then it, it kind of goes in place there. So, uh, my understanding is that I think the Raiders placed a waiver claim, but they have a better record than the Bengals, so they were back in line. And, and the Bengals weren't first in line at 2-5-1 and one either. There were a handful of teams in front of them that did not place a waiver claim on on uh, Tack McKinley, so the Bengals uh, were able to land him, and it was, it was a good move there. So uh, that's kind of the news so far. I guess we could look real quickly at the injury report. And we'll bring that up in just a second. But like I said, um, Bengals are getting some guys back. I, I mentioned this. Sam Hubbard was activated back to the Bengals roster from IR return. So that is that's good news, at least especially this week for because if we don't know exactly what's going on with Tack McKinley, if he's gonna play. Um, you know, that's good news there. Let's look at the injury report. I have this ready to be pulled up here. Here it is on cincyjungle.com, courtesy of my usual co-host, John Sheeran. And let's scroll it on down here. Here you go right here. Here's the Bengals injury report as of Wednesday. Geno Atkins uh, had a rest 
day, a personal day. You've got Bobby Hart out, so I don't know if that's going to be Hakeem Adeniji or uh, Fred Johnson time, but Fred Johnson's been on the COVID-19 list, so we'll see what happens there. Joe Mixon did not practice with that foot injury. He suffered a couple of weeks ago. Darius Phillips with the groin injury that he suffered against Tennessee and left that game. He did not practice. You've got Jonah Williams, who had that neck injury uh, against Tennessee. He was limited. We'll see what happens there. I'd like to think that he plays at left tackle. would be a nice addition back, but we'll see. And then Trey Hopkins, who also left the Titans game with a concussion, was full practice. Samaje P. Ryan has a, has a knee ding, but he, he was full practice there. As you look to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster, a knee injury, did not practice on Wednesday. Um, you've got some other guys here, uh, full practice, full practice for Hilton and Watts, so not an issue there. Marquise Pouncey, uh, David DeCastro, Villanueva, Ebron, and Tuitt all did not practice, not injury-related. you got to think that's veteran rest there. And then you've got Tyson Alu-Alu and Isaiah Bugs. Um, both, uh, those are limited and did not practice. So a couple of important players on this list either did not practice or limited, but – you know, I think a lot of these, as you look towards the, the middle of this injury report, those are um, maybe some veteran rest days there. I want to say this, and, and I Taylor talked about it a little bit. It's all about the Steelers' defensive front for me in this game. I mentioned a lot of those names, Alu Alu and Tuit. Cameron Hayward, I, I've always thought Cameron Hayward was – a good player, just a good player. He's a very good player. He's huge, does a lot of things. I've watched more and more of him recently. That guy's an outstanding football player, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that already probably knew that. I always just said, yeah, he's good. He's good. I mean, the more I watch him, I really paid close attention to him this last week against Dallas, and he was just living in the Cowboys' backfield. It was incredible, just throwing. At one point, he, I think he threw a, uh, an offensive lineman into another guy and knocked him off of a block. I mean, it was just incredible what that guy is doing. And I, like I said, I've always known he's been good, and I've seen him do some things to wreak havoc against the Bengals. But, you know, I, I, that guy, to me, I think as he goes there, I mean, I know you can, you can talk about Watt, you can talk about uh, to it. And, you know, all these other guys, uh, as he goes to me, I think the other guys kind of go Dupree, uh, another guy. And and that's why the Bobby Hart injury, I know Bobby Hart's everybody's favorite whipping boy. He has played better in recent games before getting hurt recently. Um, you know, who knows what's going on with Jonah Williams. Hopefully he comes back this week. He was limited, limited on Wednesday, as I said. That's why those bookend tackles are of immense importance this week. And if for some reason the Bengals are forced to go with, you know, Fred Johnson and Adenogy, does that, you know, this week, are, are they going to hold up the way they did against the Titans? The Steelers' pass rush is better than the Tennessee. I mean, the Tennessee's a good team. Don't get me wrong. And they've got a pretty decent defense. But their pass rush is nothing compared to, to what the, the Steelers bring. So if you're going to trot out Adenogy and Johnson again, you better be pretty confident in, that they'll be able to repeat a performance or even better a performance as they did in Tennessee. So that's uh, something to think about. Something to think about. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We wanted to bring a special episode because of our special guest, Ike Taylor, 
former defensive back of the Pittsburgh Steelers, joining us courtesy of the Believe Podcast Network, and he is one of the hosts of the Believe in Steelers podcast. A lot of fun talking with him, reliving some days of his career, reliving some days of him going against the Cincinnati Bengals and previewing this game going forward. A lot of fun. Nice guy, even though even though he's a Steeler, even though he's a Stealer. Hey, his – the Believe Network and EAG Sports Management, two great companies, they approached us about um, having him on. And I said, for sure, for sure we're having him on because that w- I thought it was going to be a really interesting conversation, and it was. So um, our thanks to him, our thanks to both of those companies as well. So go check out his podcast. He's probably got a lot to say this week. I know I will, so uh, go check him out. Appreciate his time. Wanted to give you a little bit more insight as to what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Thanks for tuning into this show. Be sure to check out the Super Show as well. Both of these will be on all YouTube channels, whether it's New Stripe City, the Orange and Black Insider, or um, you know all of the audio channels. They'll all it'll all be on there. So check it out. Appreciate the support, and we will see you soon. Enjoy Steelers Week. We've got more coming at you towards the weekend. Keep it tuned to Cincy Jungle and our podcast network. Thanks.